Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Over the middle, intercepted, Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way at the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick, the heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line, Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw, one-on-one, Davis has it. Touchdown, Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio is going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to this edition of of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe here with you after a Tar Heel, uh, another Tar Heel close loss. Um, we are actually doing this uh, right after the game, and so this will be up uh, the morning after. And uh, unfortunately, another uh, somber podcast for us uh, here after another tough loss. Uh, this time to a Pittsburgh team that Carolina had not lost to since they entered the ACC. Um, they fall to four and six on the season. And, uh, you know, you, you predicted uh, Pittsburgh would be able to, cl- you know, close this out with a win earlier in the week. And, you know, look, it, it, once again, you know, Carolina so close, but just not able to pull it out in the end. Back to back weeks, I've been right. And I wish I'd have been wrong. Uh, picked Virginia to beat us, was right about that. Picked Pittsburgh to beat us and was right about that. And it sucks because Carolina, like you, like you said, right there, um, had themselves in a position to, to make plays and win the game, forced overtime because they had to settle for a field goal. Um, and, and the thing is, is like now, now it's the little things that you think about in the first or second quarter mm-hmm. and they come back and they bite you late in ball games and 
And, that, and that's the frustrating part. Um, seen a lot of fans on Twitter that are now kind of, I'm not going to say they've looked at this season negatively, but missed opportunities are okay if you have them once or twice a game. I know this is year one under Mac Brown, but we're going on three years of this kind of stuff. Yep. Really four years if you go back to the year we had Trubisky at quarterback here. And that's what's gotten frustrating is how many times have we said on this podcast, so close, but yet we just can't find a way to get it done. Tonight was a good example of that. They allowed Kenny Pickett to have a big day through the air, throwing for over 350 yards on uh, 25 completions. And this is a guy that, quite frankly, coming into the year, didn't have great numbers in terms of touchdowns. Not a whole lot of yards, but tonight looked like an ACC veteran, which is kind of why I picked him to win the game because I figured he'd know how to handle the situation as Pittsburgh is trying to kind of find themselves back in the ACC title game for the second consecutive year. But didn't expect their offense having this kind of field day against our defense, but what do you know? That's what happened. Well, I, you know, we talk about the close losses, and, and you're right. This has been happening for three straight seasons. The other thing that's been happening for three straight seasons and part of the reason why this team is losing so many games the way they are is because of the injuries, which then turns into a lot of youth, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think that you're right. We're kind of at that point where now, you know, we have to be asking ourselves, you know, is this ever actually going to end? Because, I mean, we keep saying, oh, you know, this this year feels a little bit different with Mac Brown being there. It's going to take time for this young team to mature. But right now, you know, the thing is, is like, are, are, is this group really going to be able to get over injuries and find a way to actually win these types of games going forward? Because we just haven't had the luck with injuries for three straight seasons. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and blame this loss or all the losses, all the injuries. You get this next man up. Uh, oh, it's part of it, though. Um, Mac Brown's going to build the depth. To, to kind of, I guess, ease or just, you know, not have the drop-off in talent when injuries happen. And that's been the biggest problem. Right. Is when you lose guys, the drop-off in talent is that significant to where it's just really hard to overmask. And, and Mac Brown's going to fix that. Um, or at least, at least you hope so. Because if not, then, I mean, what the hell? Yeah, well, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, you're right. what, what are we doing? Oh no, I, I think you're. I think you're definitely right, but it's just a real concern at this point when it's been three straight seasons. Now it's under a new strength and conditioning coach, and you're still seeing those types of problems. And let's be really honest. I mean, there's a decent amount of injuries, but it's really only at one particular spot. Everywhere else, you're still relatively healthy. But I agree that, you know, there there are some still some depth issues and you hope that Mac Brown and his staff are, are able to sort of build you know enough depth on this team to where it won't become a concern. And then it's really all about, you know, will the Tar Heels be able to close this out? You know, they after a while, and you would feel like this is probably next year, right? You can't keep saying, Well, you know, they're just so young. Now they're, you know, they're getting the experience in these close games. After a while, you've got to stop saying, okay, Nat, well, it's good that they have experience. You have to find the results, which is this team is finding ways to win those close games. Yeah, and look, look, tonight's loss was not part of injuries. Yeah, and the, none of these losses were because, well, they were just beat up. But And, that, and that's the beauty in when you get hurt is you're building depth in a unique way. Right. But you're also right. These young guys... 
have got to start making winning football plays. And a lot of it is, is you know, just looking at the film and getting better. And you look at a guy like DeAndre Hollins, we're asking a lot of him at the cornerback position. He's not used to playing corner. Right. Um, but he's going to be well, an option. Well, he, he, uh, he was a nickel corner and now has to play on the outside. Um, and it's really counted on in, in, in every single play. A guy like DJ Ford, who started in the nickelback spot, ended up moving out to strong safety. So, yeah, you got a lot of guys that are playing kind of out of position all over this team right now. But, I mean, look, there's no reason to not to be optimistic that they're going to figure it out. You've got a first-year right. uh, defensive coordinator with you, a first-year co- uh, college coach with Dre Bly in the secondary. Right. Um, the off season will do wonders for those guys just learning, okay, how to you know how to look at film together. And really, this whole staff's going to grow in the off season. Oh, I agree. And and, and so the thing right. is, is you're still four and six. Um, you got to give me next week against Mercer, so you've got to find a way to go beat NC State to make a bowl game. And I don't think like for a lot of programs, bowl games are are irrelevant. For this Carolina team, it's not because if you make a bowl game, you're going to get an additional ten to fifteen practices. Right. That's going to do a lot of wonders for, for these guys going into the spring. So that that's why making bowl games sometimes is very important. And that's why it's really big for this year's team to get back into that bowl game. Not not to go play another uh, game or get gifts or whatever. Just to get 10 to 15 more reps with your with your staff. Well, I, I also and, think playing in another game for this team would, would be good to kind of continue to build on, on, on some of those things that you're already seeing, continue to build a little momentum um, offensively. Um, a little, you, you know, more cohesion down on the offensive line. And in that young secondary, give guys another opportunity before, of course, going into the summer, which for the defense, you know, that, that secondary, you know, look, that's going to be your last gas before you have to prepare for what's going to be just a, a crazy offseason in the secondary with as many guys as you're bringing in, bringing back, you know, there's going to be a lot of battles going on there. So I also think that would be good. But you bring up a really good point with, with the extra practices and everything like that. And I think the other thing, you know, going and playing, you know, it might be a, a meaningless bowl game, as they say. But the other thing is, for this team, you have to feel like if they're able to get to a bowl game, they feel like they did you know that they they did what they set out to accomplish in or one of the things that they set out to accomplish in the preseason which is to make a bowl game also you would think if they beat NC State to get to a bowl game that means that they win the state championship as they say i mean granted they did have the losses to Wake Forest and App State but against your two biggest rivals if you're able to pull out the victory against State, you beat both of them, uh, something that you really struggled to do under the prior staff. So I, I think that would be big for Carolina, um, being able to get to a bowl game. And, I mean, look, it's still possible. Um, you know, focusing a little more on this Pittsburgh game, man, you know, I, at this point, you know, I know that, like, this, the, the, the secondary is going to get the brunt of a lot of this stuff. And, you know, I do believe that, you know, the, the blame, you know, the secondary deserves a little bit of blame. You know, they have some guys out there that are really struggling. 
Um, you know, DeAndre Hollins, I thought, looked better tonight, but still had a lot of passes caught on him. The middle of the field, you know, DJ Ford just hasn't really been as effective as Miles Woolfolk was in the middle there. And, you know, on the outside, you know, opposite of Hollins, Greg Ross struggled, of course, got burnt again tonight for the touchdown um, before halftime that made it 17-7. to Of course, Carolina would close in, um, make it a 17-10 game, and then had a chance before halftime. Uh, where Howell threw the interception, but you know this this team right now is really struggling in the secondary, and the defensive line is not helping them out. Uh, this is just a, I mean, just a, a horrific drop off from the first half of the season. This unit has been terrible, plain and simple, since the first bye earlier this season, and again tonight, really, you know, second half got a little more pressure in there, but pretty much if this unit is not blitzing they are not getting to the quarterback because the defensive line is getting manhandled. And I don't want to hear the excuses of, oh, well, you know, teams are getting the ball out quicker. Okay, they are, but here's the the thing. They're not getting it out literally off the snap throwing a pass every single time. These are not screenplays that are killing this team. There is time. You're not winning at the line of scrimmage. And again, you weren't doing it tonight in uh, in the run game either. And that allowed Pittsburgh to have a pretty good night on the ground. One of the better ones they've had of the year, rushing for 139 yards and three touchdowns. So, you know, this, this defensive line, I think a lot of people are going to want to blame the secondary. And they have definitely struggled. But this defensive line needs to be called out because they have been below par here the last couple of weeks. And we've talked about it uh, these last couple of years as we've seen the, the play dip. They can't get pressure with three, and you can't really afford to blitz because you don't trust your secondary to hold up. Not one-on-one. And no. and, and so, and, and that's the problem. And, and so when you're not getting the quarterback with three, like, look, Pittsburgh was creating pressure with four. They, they could have done it with one. Um, so, I mean... And, and that's just the difference. We've seen Jason Strobridge and Aaron Crawford, who at the beginning of the year looked really good at what Jay Bateman was wanting them to do. I don't know if teams have adjusted as they more I think more that's fail, part of it, definitely. But, definitely. I mean, they are the not... The other guys have really struggled, there's too. Just, there's not a whole lot of flexibility up there, and you're not seeing guys step up and make plays. And when the announcers are not calling Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge's name, this defense is going to struggle, and that's why they've given up 38 to Virginia and 34 to Pittsburgh, two teams that are not built or not known for scoring the football at that mm-hmm. kind of clip. Because when you lose the, the battle of the line of scrimmage as bad as Carolina has, it allows for them to do whatever they want to do to your defense, which is struggling and beat up. Yeah, and, and I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, we've really been focusing on, on what they've been doing pass rush-wise. I think tonight the scary part was the fact that not only were they struggling to get after Pickett, they were struggling to close up the holes on the, you know, in, in the run game. I mean, you had guys that, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for, you know, a couple of tackles here and there from the linebackers and the secondary, these are even longer runs. I mean, you know, again, and, th- and this unit behind them has, has kind of struggled tackling as well. Um, over the last couple of games, the back seven hasn't been as good as they were early on in the season. Your defensive linemen have to help you out, and they just really haven't been doing that. So, I, you know, look, these final two games of the season, you're going to have to be able to get after 
these quarterbacks in order to help out your young secondary. I mean, Mercer, it's not really as crucial, but you've got to be able to do it against you know some NC State quarterbacks who are really struggling because you don't want to give them chances to move the ball up and down the field on you. I mean, that's you got to be able to help them out. That defense that was just so good early on in the year, and I get that, you know, I know people are going to say, well, look at the injuries. And one of the guys that was on Twitter that follows me sent me in something saying, well, there's injuries on the defensive line. No, there's not. No, there's not. There's not a single guy that is injured on that defensive line right now that is out of action due to an injury on the defensive line right now. Now, there are guys that may be a little more, you know, that, that might be dealing with something that's a nagging injury and they're fighting through it, but still, the unit has to be better. Um, you know, I think one of the other things that when you talk about this game, you talked about missed opportunities just looking back throughout the season. This was another game of missed opportunities. A lot of them coming in the deep passing game. Sam Howell had a couple of chances to hook up with his receivers and unfortunately wasn't able to do it. Uh, still a really good night for Sam Howell, but you got to feel like in the end, those were a couple of the, uh, those plays, you know, ended up costing the Tar Heels what could have been some easy points. Yeah, I mean, look. I'm not going to sit here and freak out because he's been really good throwing the deep ball. Yeah, we're not trying to say um, that this is, you know, oh, Sam Howell now is going to struggle throwing the deep ball. He had a little bit of an off night, but it's okay. There were still know. three balls that were there. The receivers got to make plays. Yeah, I and, agree. And, and I look, agree. There's sometimes that, look, he's not going to put it on the money. You've got to be you got to be tough enough to go make a play. And there was just times where uh, De'Ami Brown missed one. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been Daz Newsome at another time in the game. May have that wrong, but um, yeah, um, it's, it's really shocking because we've seen them be so effective. It was bound to him, bound to happen for him to miss some of these kind of throws, and it just kind of sucks that it happened and, and you end up losing the ball game. But you got to look at the you know where you didn't you didn't get the ball. Was it the the first or second drive they they turned it over on downs on fourth and one? Like we we want first, first drive. Yeah, you um, you, you want to complain a, about the deep passing game, but fourth and one you trying to. I don't well, mind not, you running good, the ball. I I didn't like the fact that and not, I told you you're not you're not pool blocking on fourth. I and don't one. get that. No, you don't. That do doesn't that. make any sense to me. You line up and you tell your offensive terrible. line be be tough enough to blow them off the ball, and we're going to gain a yard. Yeah, and I I I don't um, understand that. Yeah, I don't get trying to scheme block on when, when you need a yard, especially like I explained to you when they're going to have seven or eight guys in the box. What are you scheme blocking for? No matter what you do, either you're going to line up and get the first down because it's going to be strength against strength. You know, we knew, okay, going in, there was a chance that their defensive line was going to have the edge over this offensive line. But in that case, see what you see what you got. See what you got. Run the football with, with Antonio Williams. I'm with you. I didn't have a problem running the football. Why the hell are you pull, bo- pull blocking on a fourth and one on the first drive of the game? That makes... No sense to me. None at all. So, I, yeah, I don't get it. And, I mean, people were saying, well, Sam should have pulled the ball and kept it. Look, they said earlier in the week on Mac Brown, Mac, Mac Brown said it earlier in the week on Mac Brown Live, they will not run Sam Howell with designed run plays. Not going to happen because they cannot afford for him to get injured. He gets injured, season's over. Plain and simple. Because you've got... Uh, a, a true freshman walk-on behind him. And that's not a slight to Vincent Amendola, 
The thing is, is you're going from a guy that right now ranks near the top in a lot of the passing passing categories in the country, and you're dropping it off to a guy that's uh, you know was a preferred walk on. That's that's a pretty steep drop off. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I I know a lot of people still taking you know a, a lot out on Phil Longo. Am I the only one that kind of thought he called a pretty good game tonight? I thought his game plan was was pretty good. Um, you know, again, we talked about, you know, the struggles in the red zone still being there. And, you know, a lot of people that, you know, saw that we hired him earlier in the off season that were Ole Miss fans were telling us, yeah, good, good guy in between the twenties, but can't really put the ball in the end zone. But for, from my perspective, I, I thought he called a pretty solid game. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad game plan. Um, I didn't like what he had dialed up in the overtime possession and look. Mac Brown's not going to fire him after the first year. Yeah, you, you you don't get the sense that that's who Mac Brown is. He's going to give him an off uh, at least two years. I do think though there's going to be a lot of off season critique from Mac Brown, maybe publicly mm-hmm. challenging him, and also privately when they're you know going through meetings and all that because there's just been ten to fifteen plays where you just got to go ask him what are you doing. Um, and, and, and and that's keeping it G-rated because our podcast is not explicit. I have actually tried to make this yeah, podcast say, what explicit. The, what the hell is he Well, doing? I want to use some other words for some of the stuff he's called. Oh, yeah. And, and, and so I do think that's going to happen. And, and look, I think Phil Longo deserves that because he's done a lot of good with what he has. This mm-hmm. offense has done a lot of... Done a lot of good things. You've seen some uniqueness, some creativity at times. I think sometimes he overthinks the situation. And then there are times where he's just... It's like he's not prepared at that certain point in the juncture to have the right play call. And look, I've talked about this a lot. Play calling is as much about a game planning and filming. It's a feel. And there's just yeah, sometimes he doesn't feel the game. Yeah. And... and mm-hmm. And maybe having a, a Hall of Fame head coach in the offseason will help him learn to feel the game a little bit better. It's a good thing that he's got a quarterback that has a pretty good feel for the game. So even if he has a bad play call, he can make make something out of it. And and, and look, I think that's the thing. We just, you know, we, as much as we need to be patient with what's going on defensively and what Jay Bateman's want to do, right? The offense deserves the same kind of patience because it's the first year in a new system with a 18 year old, 19 year old kid at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And and you're still out there putting up numbers every week, giving yourself a chance. That's that's all you can ask for. I mean, look, you're still putting up. I mean, you know, 27 points should should usually win you a, a game. I mean, you would think that you know, with with Jay Bateman's defense later on, once the depth is built, that will win you football games. And I mean, look at I mean, they're they're now each game consistently going over 400. 450 yards of offense. This unit is starting to move the ball about as well as you could hope for. Of course, there you know there's still times where they have some missteps and everything like that. But right now, this offense, I mean, it's pretty hard to really criticize a whole lot about this offense. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. Quarterback that is is playing about as good as any quarterback in the country right now. Um, I mean, the, your running game continues to still be a, you know one of the you know one of the better groups in the ACC right now. I mean, Antonio Williams a big night tonight. Um, you know, Michael Carter you know had his moments tonight, but wasn't great. But when you got all three guys that are healthy, because of course Javante Williams was working through an injury that he suffered in the Virginia game. 
mean, this is one of the better units in, in in the ACC, and one of those ones that we'll be talking about next year, as you know, if it ranks in the top 25, 20 in the country. So, um, and, and then also, I mean, your wide receiving core, man, what a night for them. I mean, look at Daz New, some 11 catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown. Bo Corrales, five catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Deami Brown, I mean, five catches, 35, not great, but you know, still also had a touchdown. But man. You know, this, this wide receiving core now, I mean, this has to have people feeling really good about where this Tar Heel team stands going forward, especially because all three of these guys will be back, barring one of them deciding to leave early. Yeah, you feel like Sam and Daz, really since the Virginia Tech game, they've really started to click. Right, um, right. And, yeah. and Newsom's production has picked up 11 catches, 170 yards, a touchdown, averaging 15.5 per catch. That's pretty big numbers. Bo Corrales doing what he does best, making big plays in the passing game down the field. Five catches, 92 yards, a touchdown, 18.4 yards per reception. Diami, only five five catches, only 35 yards, but, I mean, you still scored a touchdown, had a, uh, and is making plays in the passing game. And we've seen them kind of grow as a unit, as kind of the stable three receivers you see on the field a whole lot. Right, Not a whole right. lot of rotation going on anymore with the wide receiving core. And there shouldn't be. Those guys deserve the most... The majority of the snaps, they've done the best job at finding grass at times for Sam Howell to find them the football. There you go. And it's like you said, barring something unforeseen, they're all back next year. Right. And another year in the, in the, the strength and conditioning program, another year in this offense, and they're putting up numbers that, you know, could probably get them all ACC honors going into next year. So pretty big night. Kept Carolina in the game because Carolina at times couldn't run the football even though they ran right, for 136. Right. Hit and miss, um, hit and miss, yep. Uh, they were able to make plays in the passing game, which you felt like if they wanted to win tonight, they were going to have to make plays. And there were times that they made plays that kept them in the ball game and just it came up short. Oh, yeah. I mean, we knew, you know, going in, this was a team that was allowing just 85.9 yards per game on the ground. You were going to have to make plays through the air. And you're right, Daz Newsom, since that Virginia Tech game, has been phenomenal. Back-to-back games where you've had a receiver go over 150 yards and somehow you lost both games. So, I mean, look, it, the offense, as we're saying, is not to blame. But, you know, my, the other thing with this, I mean, can you imagine, you got these three guys coming back, can you imagine if you can add in Garrett Walston or, you know, one of the other tight ends into this rotation and have one of them start to you know, really evolve as well. Something that we haven't seen from that position so far this year. Man, that could be something going into next year. Um, so, okay, I, I I guess really the the last thing that I wanted to bring up when it came to this game is the officiating. And I hate bringing this up. And again, it's really this simple. I always say this whenever you have a game where people are questioning the refs. If you don't want these questionable calls to happen, play well enough to where the officials don't have to get involved in the outcome of the game. Um, I'm not saying that they're the reason that this team lost. Not even close to the reason that this team lost. But you had the early targeting that was reversed. Looked like a pretty clear targeting. Um, But, you know, they, they went to the replay booth, overturned it. Of course, penalties still stood. Um, should have finished that drive off with a touchdown, but still a little bit questionable. Um, people were questioning the pass interference call uh, on DeAndre Hollins. I-, I wasn't as angry at that because he did grab the jersey, but I, you know, at at the same time, I didn't think it was pass interference. I thought that you know we've seen that you know 
before from from corners, and and they'll usually let that go. Um, there was you know my my biggest thing throughout the night. A lot of what. Uh, to me, appeared to be holdings on the outside, but the most egregious one was the one in overtime on third down and fourteen, where it you know it appears that Dominique Ross gets the face mask grabbed by the left tackle, uh, no call there. Um, you know I, that that was one that I just kind of was left scratching my head over. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it it's fair to look at this game and at least question some of the calls and non calls by the officials in this one, right? Uh, I mean, I guess it's fair to question it. It's not what cost Carolina the ball game tonight. You've no, got of to be not. Uh, you got to be tough enough to fight through that. Um, and, and they weren't. Uh, look, the targeting was probably the most egregious because that was evident. That's targeting. Yeah, if, I if, mean, if, if that's not targeting, get rid of the rule. Yeah, defenseless receiver on the um, ground. Guy comes in with a hit, leads with his head. I mean, that's that's got to be targeting. But as for the holdings held. At least we had an opponent get called for holding. That's the first time since Miami. Yeah, just, so you're not going to hear too much complaining amazing. out of me. The way I see it, you won't get held if you shed your block a lot quicker or something like that. You, I get you, it. I you, get you, it. You know, look, the Dominique Ross one is is the one that that gets me the most the the most angry. I don't think it's the reason that Carolina ultimately lost the game. I mean, there's no saying that this team you know drives down and 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 finds a way to. You know, score in the in the end zone. Who knows what happens for Pittsburgh if they make the field goal or don't make the field goal? But it's whatever. To me, it just you, when when you when the guy reaches out and grabs the face mask, it's 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 pretty that that should be enough to call holding. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 that should tell you right there. The statistic that Carolina has not had a holding penalty against uh, all, uh, an opponent against Carolina has not had a holding penalty. Uh, since, see, they were get they they said the Miami. It's game. Miami. Is it Miami or was it Wake Forest? It's Miami. Okay, so apparently it was Miami. Where did you get the statistic from? Was Brian I, Ives I saw it tweeted out last week. Okay, well, there and you my go. my memory came into fruition. I'm better than those guys at ESPN. Oh, oh hang on, that's that. actually the company whoa, I interned whoa. with. Whoa. But, uh, yeah. Wow, yeah, getting no. a little wild here at 1 o'clock in the morning um, on the podcast. Yeah, no, it was the Miami My game. Um, Jesus. So. Yeah. That is. Uh, so you still went nice. nine games almost between holding penalties. In modern football, where holding is called at an all-time high. That is just crazy. Um, and, yeah, so. Carolina uh, unfortunately goes down to Pittsburgh, thirty-four to twenty-seven. The Tar Heels, as we mentioned, they will be at home next week against Mercer. Uh, that will be a three-thirty kick. Uh, the game will be on Raycom Sports Network. Uh, that'll be Senior Day as well. A lot of uh, great Tar Heel seniors that will graduate. Twelve of them will graduate. Um, and then, uh, of course, we will move on and then play the game against State. That one will be on the road. Uh, on the 30th of November right now. No time set for that one just yet, but uh, we'll have you covered all the way up until there here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. So uh, I think that's pretty much it for tonight's edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Of course, uh, state playoffs beginning for a lot of the Tar Heel targets or commits in the 2020 class. Uh, we will be on location tomorrow um, doing the uh, covering the game 
between Providence Day and Metrolina. Um, of course, we'll be uh, scouting 2020 four-star defensive tackle Kedrick Bingley-Jones, who is committed to Carolina, and hopefully we will have an interview with him after the game, after a state uh, championship win, hopefully, for Providence Day. Uh, all that stuff will be on the Heel Tough blog Facebook page. Uh, you guys can check that out there. That's where the video will be. Probably put the video link uh, in the scouting report article now that I have finally figured out how to do that. Um, it took me long enough, uh, but I finally figured out how to get that rolling uh, to where I can put it in there as well. So we'll have all that great content for you guys. We'll have the recap of the Pittsburgh game that will be up uh, sometime uh, later today, actually, um, for you guys. And then, of course, we'll do the stock report and the trench report as well so that we can catch you guys up on everything uh, coming out of this Pittsburgh game and as we head towards the game against Mercer. So, uh, once again, want to thank Josh for sticking it out, doing this late night podcast with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check out HeelToughBlog.com for everything uh, Tar Heel football and Tar Heel basketball as well. And you can go to the top, check out uh, the Heel Tough Blog podcast, which you're listening to right now. Check out the old episodes if you want to, as well as the Roy's Boys podcast. The tabs are right next to each other, Heel Tough Blog podcast tab and the Roy's Boys podcast tab. Make sure you check out all the great content that we have for you there. So, once again, thank you guys for listening, and as always, Go Tar Heels!